This is the Festival of the Mind podcast from the University of Sheffield. In this episode, Dr Chris Blackmore from the School of Health and Related Research and Nick Bax, Creative Director at Human Design Studio, explore the themes of their project, LifePath VR. My name is Chris Blackmore. I'm a university teacher at the University of Sheffield. And I'm recording a podcast for the Festival of the Mind about our project, which is called Life Path VR, Trevor's Story. I'm currently standing in my back garden in Sheffield and I'm about to go on a walk. Um, I have in my hand a map and I've drawn a straight line from where I live to a city centre location. I'm going to try and follow that line as I go. Um, And hopefully the reasons will become clear. Um, Now I'm afraid you're going to have to come with me. Open my back gate and away we go. I'm trying to follow this straight line. Now I've immediately been thrown off course. I couldn't walk through a farmer's field. The sheep might not have appreciated that. So I'm walking down the pavement and I'm gonna try and get as far as I can. I'm gonna try and follow this line. In a sense, this is a piece of psychogeography. So this is a way in which people can try and understand their surroundings in a new way. It's often done when walking through a city, perhaps to get to know a place, to spot unusual things in the urban environment. Um, I'm using it to disrupt the usual uh, journey that I might take where I'd kind of blindly follow a path because it was a well-trodden path. Um, It's gonna make me think about the decisions I'm taking at every step. It's a journey where I'm going to be reflecting, I guess, on where I'm going to, why I'm trying to get there. And there are many people who've who've written about pilgrimage and about this kind of walking and this this way of trying to find meaning, I suppose. Um, So I'm thinking of people like Robert McFarlane, um, W.G. Sebold, Rebecca Solnit. Um, There's a long history of people who've walked and used that act of walking to reflect on their lives to find meaning so you may be wondering what this has all got to do with the festival of the mind so i actually i have a question for you a question that kind of goes across time and space i suppose so wherever you may be i wonder who who actually knows your life story who really understands who you are where you've come from, who knows your history? And I guess the obvious answer is gonna be, for most people, will be friends, family, a partner, a spouse, a parent. It struck me when I've been thinking about this that it's actually very rare for us to, to really tell our life story. You know, there are a few people perhaps who will write some kind of autobiography Um, or perhaps through a process of counselling or psychotherapy might spend a long time telling one person about their life and really go into detail from from birth right through childhood to adulthood and older adulthood 
but it's actually quite unusual. And when I've been thinking about that, I've realised there aren't many people, if anyone, who really knows my life from, from birth to this point. And so that's brought me on to thinking about the use of life storing in more general terms and whether we could actually use some technology to help. Not everyone has got the ability to sit down to write an autobiography. Not everyone wants or needs to spend lots of time talking to a therapist. And some years ago, uh, I had the idea that perhaps we could use some of the modern digital technologies to try and capture some of this for people. And could we develop a tool, a kind of a storytelling tool, which helped people to think about their lives and to capture the important aspects of that, really for them primarily to reflect on themselves. Maybe that people would want to share that with others and that's fine, that would be a decision for them, but really I think I'm most interested in our search for meaning in our own lives, reflecting on that personally, maybe coming to terms with things trying to think about things in a new way, trying to forgive others for things, perhaps, trying to understand what's happened to us. I think there's a whole host of different ways in which we can reflect on our own experience and hopefully use that for beneficial outcomes. When I was first thinking about the the use of a digital tool in this kind of storytelling. Um, one of the first things I thought of was the possibility of using virtual reality to allow people to create a kind of version of their life story. In the early 2000s, the, the VR experiences that I saw, they were really interesting, but I, I wasn't so sure they were going to be able to, to do the job. Um, some of them were still a bit a bit clunky perhaps. You'd see kind of robotic figures moving around. Didn't somehow feel that welcoming um, or that that much related to life as we experience it. And it's only really in the last few years where I think the VR that I've seen has become so sophisticated now and so powerful. And perhaps the other main factor is that it was only in the last few years that I met the kind of people who were working in this area. So my creative partner on this project, uh, Human Studio, and I met them through an, working on another Festival of the Mind project and quite soon realised they were doing some fantastic work in virtual reality. Yeah. And when I spoke about the idea I had to do something around storytelling, they were really interested and we had some very constructive early conversations which made me think, okay, well, Perhaps this is an idea worth pursuing. And so that's actually who I'm walking to talk to today. I'm going down to Park Hill in Sheffield. Okay, so I've arrived at uh, Park Hill. I'm now sat in um, the design studio. I'm here with Nick Bax, who's creative director of Human Studio. Um, so tell us a bit about 
we, we, we've got an amazing view from here. Nick, tell us a bit about, about the view and about you know, human at, at, at this place. Well, we've been in Park Hill now for just over seven years. You know, people in Sheffield that will know the building and how iconic it is. It, it's really become part of our company DNA, if you like. We were the first company to, to move here. It's very much our home. And it's just a really unique and amazing place to be for us. You know, and I, I love coming in here. We're part of a community here. People live here. And it's obviously a place that's full of stories as well, you know. And it's it's been here since the... Uh, early 60s and it's seen a, a lot of coming and goings and, and different things happening, some good, some bad. It's had a very um, active life, this, <laughs> this building. It's coming into a new phase now because it's been redeveloped and um, we're going to have some you know new people moving here, some students moving here next month and some new residents. So yeah, it's an interesting place to be and it, it's we find that when people come here, a lot have never visited here before and um, it does give them a different perspective on the city because we've got an amazing kind of the cityscape in front of us i can see the tram rumbling past uh, you know it must be a very visually inspiring place to work and it's pretty quiet up here as you can hear as well mm. you know to say we're next to the main roundabout in the city and next to the train station obviously things are pretty quiet in the city at the moment but it's it's uh, it's always this quiet up here to be honest so we've been working together on this project for the festival of the mind um which we've called Life Path of the R, Trevor's story. Can you tell us a bit about what visitors to this road can expect to experience? What, what we're aiming to do, our goal really, is to give them a glimpse of the future. I guess the easiest way to explain it is if people imagine what their timeline on Facebook could become in the future. Maybe that's, that's a good way to explain it. Life Path is a way of capturing your life uh, and the events within it beyond photos and videos, really. What's been your involvement in the development of this Festival of the Mind project? I guess our main um, involvement has been sort of expanding your initial concept for Life Path, really, and um, looking at how we can, we can take that further. And technology is developing so quickly, uh, particularly in the sort of immersive sector. So we're kind of imagining possible future applications for things really you know some some of the technology we know it's coming the hardware has been developed and different people are different organizations preparing it's not quite here yet so we're, we're already starting to imagine the uses for it when it when it arrives and i think also agility is is the key particularly at the moment in terms of well a how we use this content, how we envisage it happening and evolving, but also because obviously of the current scenario, we have to be agile and, you know, this this installation, originally we were talking about having it on a headset, VR headsets, and we're not in a position where the general public can share headsets, but the idea itself is strong enough that it will translate onto screens. So um, that's, that's what we're planning to do. So will those be kind of big fixed screens or how, how will it work in the... In the gallery. I think in the it'll be a mix of, of uh, large screens and also um, tablets. In a more general sense, what would you say was the impact of some of these new VR technologies on storytelling? I think at the moment we're only just starting to find out, and some aspects are obviously general to all forms of storytelling, whether it's you know literature or 
cinema or TV or uh, you know radio or some are general, some are very unique to sort of immersive and extended reality technology. So I was at um, an event last year, a panel event for, for a VR launch and the VR curator, Dan Tucker, he, he said that he thought at the moment VR, he said it's at the Pong stage, which I really liked. I thought it really encapsulates me. So people don't know Pong was one of the first ever kind of video games that people used to play. It's like a bat and ball game that you'd play on a TV. People used to think it was amazing and you'd sit and play this game and you'd like blip from one side of your TV screen to another. And you think of the leap from that to something like Assassin's Creed or Grand Theft Auto or one of these, you know, and, and yet it's, it's the same industry, it's the same, you know, people or interests or and yet it's just so far, isn't it? And I think that that's where we are with VR. As amazing as some of this stuff is, I think we're just at the beginning and we're at the Pong stage. <laughs> so it's quite hard to sort of envisage at the moment how, how it's going to go and the impact it will have. Also, I think because of the, the sort of sensory experience of VR, the impact on people and the way we tell and absorb stories will be very different and potentially far more powerful than other forms such as cinema or TV and print. Equally, I think we can use VR in a very subtle way. When we talk about storytelling, you know, we'll have to describe something or see something. Within VR, using certain technology like haptic technology where you can simulate touch or sensory triggers, we could, we could maybe even smell things or just feel things in a certain way that tells us something in a way that words would be very hard to describe or, or you know, images on a screen would be quite hard to describe. Or, so I think there's really unique ways of conveying information and telling story that will be absolutely unique to VR, you know. And I mean, I experienced something early last year. I went to um, an exhibition at the Sarcher Gallery in London from a, a, a collective called Marshmallow Laser Feast, which in, in itself is enough reason to visit <laughs> fantastic company and they had an installation called we live in an ocean of air that involved walking around in a space with a small group of people and everyone had their own vr headsets but there's this amazing part to it where they'd had a sensor that was in front of your mouth and it simulated breath so as you breathed out you actually saw your breath effectively in vr in in huge bubbles of air coming out in front of you and i can't think of any other format that could do that you know yeah, I think there's been lots of new ways to tell stories and communicate through VR. What would you say are some of the challenges of working on narratives in VR? Well, as I say, it's early days and people, you know, we're finding new challenges and new ways of doing things. and It's all very exciting. I think one of the most obvious challenges of telling a story in VR, uh, it, especially in a more sort of linear way, is from a directional point of view, it, it's harder to direct someone within a 360 environment. Obviously, in a cinema, you know, you're just sort of looking forward and the director points the, the eye or the camera the way that you're supposed to follow. When someone's in a totally immersive environment, it's a bit harder to guide them through, through that path. Um, it's much more like a, a theatrical performance or I guess we can learn and take cues from some immersive video games in that respect or gently coax the visitor or, or the immersant, as I like to call them, uh, to see what's important and keep on track with the story. 
In the short term, where do you see VR having the most impact in society? I, I think initially, much of society will think that VR isn't for them. I think we're seeing a little bit of that now. For me, it's really reminiscent. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when the internet first <laughs> came onto the scene, and it's very reminiscent of that. A lot of people were, you know, oh, I don't, I, I don't have a computer, I'm not interested in that, and, and you know, it's in, in all that internet stuff's for geeks. It's a little bit like that, and yet, effectively now, what we call mobile phones, they're not phones, they're, they're little computers that you have in your pocket, <laughs> and people use them to, to, to surf the world wide web. And most of them, 20 years ago, wouldn't have believed that they would ever not only do that, or be able to afford to do that, but even want to do that, you know. So I see a similar path for VR, really, where people now don't really see how they could benefit or would want to do it. I think a lot of people as well put off and intimidated by headsets, and quite rightly in some cases, you know. But I, I think for most people that isn't how they're going to experience VR, really, or, or immersive technology, you know. I think it'll be a lot more of a natural platform for it. I mean, already it's been used in industry quite a lot. It's been used in, in medical research, and I think that'll increase. I think in wayfinding as well, it's going to become, you know, a big thing. I mean, people now rely on um, sat-navs and things like that, and once those kind of things are built into cars or just the way we move about so we can find our way around. I mean, now it's quite... You don't see many people looking at printed maps these days, you know? I think it'll be equally odd to, to look at a phone. I mean, you're not supposed to look at a phone while you're driving anyway, but to find your way while you're driving or, or just walking around. Also, short term, maybe as um, within entertainment, I think it'll be embraced. So for events, live events or sporting events, even augmented reality information to you know appear in addition to what we're actually looking at. Could be good for golf. <laughs> <laughs> things like that um, and then just communication I mean we've seen recently how you know people talking about working virtually or virtually at home I've had a lot of conversations in the last few months with people saying how exhausted they are uh, having zoom conferences constantly rather than conferences with real people and I think a lot of it is because you're looking at the screen and you're potentially looking at eight or ten or more people at once and it's kind of like playing a highly attentive video game, isn't it? Whereas with augmented reality, you, you know, potentially you could have those people, you could all be sat positioned around a room, almost like you'd imagine a holograms would work, you know, and it could be a lot more natural interaction. I'm sure a lot of people who have a gathering with their friends would rather do that than see them all on a flat screen, you know. So I think in ways like that, that it'll, it'll gradually merge into more public use and will I, th I think we'll, it'll just eventually absorb more into our lives and become omnipresent and eventually in indispensable. So, um, what benefits do you think VR applications like LifePath VR can bring to users? I think applications like LifePath VR will enable people to to visualize and and share their lives in a in an unparalleled way. Really, it will give people. Uh, a unique perspective on their own lives, a way of, of looking at their, their own life paths and evaluating them, which in itself is pretty amazing. But then at the same time, I think it will allow other people to step into their shoes, you know, allow them to share their stories in, in a way they've not been able to do before.
And I suppose that's something we're going to try and achieve through Trevor's stories to put forward uh, an, imagine, an imaginative uh, version of somebody's life and to see what, what the visitors make of that. Life path and VR needs to be very, very flexible and you need to be able to kind of customise it or personalise it uh, so that it really feels like it reflects your own experience. But that seems quite different to the majority of VR experiences at the moment, which are a bit more static. They've been kind of created and then you go and enter that world and interact with it. So could you say anything about that sort of distinction? I mean, going back to Facebook again, I guess the newest thing to me at the moment is when you turn on Facebook in the morning and it, it tells you what you were doing four years ago. On its own, it's gone into your pictures or videos and or it'll put a compilation together of what your year's been like or here's your summer or, you know, places you've visited or something. It basically generates a film that's, that's unique to you. Yeah. I mean, at one time for that to happen, you'd have to probably employ an editor to sit and go through all your um, video cassettes or whatever you would have and put that together and now it's basically an algorithm and artificial intelligence that's that's going through um, your data with your permission I think for this we, we see it a kind of thing that you build yourself but in a very easy and accessible way together with you know suggestions and help from some sort of artificial intelligence and um, computer systems but the thing that marks it out differently to what exists at the moment, for example, you know, Facebook or similar, is, is that sense of spatial presence um, and actually putting someone in an immersive environment and, and placing scenes or elements from your life journey within that. And I think that's the, that's the thing that, that will make it different. Now, as things stand, you know, we don't have the technology to create these things, but if you look at various things that are happening at the moment, the sort of conclusion that is you've got a sort of a, a coming together where, where these things will kind of tie in and that, you know, that will happen in the same way that the way that Facebook creates um, films for people is lots of different technologies that have come together to do that. But it just seems pretty seamless and quite a natural thing. And people are obviously quite happy and they like sharing them, you know, and they, they feel that somehow portrays or symbolises their personality and what they're about. And I think Life Path will do, will do a very similar thing, but in a lot more powerful way. Great. Okay, Nick, well, thanks so much for talking to us. Thanks so much for all your hard work with, with your colleagues here at Human Studio. We look forward to putting this project out um, so that everybody can come and experience it. Either come and visit us here in Sheffield, if you're able. If not, come and experience this online. And we'd love to hear some feedback from you and to use that feedback to help us develop it further in the future. LifePath allows you to create a version of your life story in virtual reality. can bring in your own content to show important events in your life and select from a variety of 3D objects to experience in VR. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We'll be publishing episodes every day of the festival. We'd love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. 
Find us on Twitter at Festival Mind and at facebook.com forward slash Festival of the Mind. Thank you.